Hi everyone, welcome to the Art of Healing podcast. Um, we're back at it this week with a brand new special guest. Um, we're going to be talking about codependency today and some other fun topics that we don't know what they are yet, but get excited guys. Here's Kate Caldwell. Hi, I am happy to be here today. I suppose I have some involuntary expertise experience in codependency and I do love talking about feeling better and getting better together with other people makes it easier yeah and I feel like you've had so much experience too just like life experience with it with your relationships and like with your kids and just figuring out how to best parent them because I know that for you it was probably really different growing up than it is for them and like you want to obviously give them the best experience possible and I feel like just knowing your kids so well like they're so well behaved and they're just so such excellent kids that obviously you've done so much right and I would love to maybe dive in there just about if you're willing to talk about like kind of what you were thinking about when you decided to have kids and if there were any conscious choices you made to change, like from the parenting that you had when you were little to change that for your kids. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard. I remember having a conversation with a best loved friend who passed a few years ago. who was like a big sister to me um, and worked a lot with her relationship with her mom as well. Mm-hmm. And, this was before I even had kids, but we talked about that, you know, maybe rather than trying to focus on all the things I'm going to try to do better or do right or not make mistakes on to accept at a most basic level or to keep aspiring to accept continuously and come back into acceptance when I stray, mm-hmm. that I... I'm always going to be making mistakes and that the focus is on being present and connected with the kid um, or whoever else and you know whoever else I'm I'm partnering with mm-hmm. and working with the kid and being able to own up to what I make mistakes on and really to hear from other people's perspective what's not working for them. So I'm kind of hearing you say that you it's important to allow if you make mistakes um, for that to happen especially I know with kids it's really important to do that because everyone makes mistakes and it's not like a wrong thing it just happens it's part of life so to allow that and to not obviously if it's something really serious that's something you're going to want to talk about but to not like make it like make the kid feel ostracized or make the person feel bad and for yourself too because I know for me, I've, I've gone through that a lot where I'm really hard on myself about things that happen or mistakes that I've made. And I feel like it doesn't really help me in the long run to move forward or get past it. Is that, that's kind of what you're saying? Yeah. And I, it, it's a way of one thing I'm thinking about here is drama triangles, which is to say, you know, the sort of falling back into framing the situation and the relationship as, you know, what roles are we taking on? Who's the victim? Who's the perpetrator? Who's the rescuer? Like pulling back from that kind of paradigm 
which related to that also another sort of tri triangle thing that comes to me is that when we have a point of conflict um, or a point of tension with another person, like our wills are not aligned, whether it's a kid or mm -hmm. partner or someone at the grocery store, like our, we tend to, we don't have strong practices in our culture, I find, around effective, mutually respectful and present engagement. We're a culture that much more values individualism and right. heroism and punishing wrongdoers and things like that. And so often when there's a point of conflict, we'll tend to sort of like slip out to one of these, which is, I think the first place I ever read about this was in Pema Chodron for whatever that's worth, and that some of us will go more comfortably into, depending on the, on the interaction, into making excuses for the person and saying, well, I know they've got this going on, mm -hmm. and so, you know, they can't help it. Or even in sort of like a gossipy kind of way, like, well, they're really not a great person. Or they're blah, not blah, in a blah. good place. Like, right. they, they're, you know, to be like, they, totally. they're they not a bad person. They're just not really having a good time right now. Like, things are right. going or wrong Right, or we can, like, hyper-intellectualize it and have, like, all kinds of hyper-fluency and mm -hmm. diagnostic codes and blah, blah, blah. And, like, but we're still maintaining um, a lack of vulnerability on our part. Um, and it's, it's an attempt to control by, by sort of like pitying. Um, but we're still not getting what we actually want, which is to engage with this person and have the relationship shift. Another thing is to condemn the person mm -hmm. or, and say, or even the situation like, oh, well, you know, um, that, that school is not working or that teacher is lazy or whatever it is. Like, um, put the blame onto someone for the problem, like, an interpersonal problem. Right, and then you then you can also cast yourself as the victim there, or you can cast yourself as a rescuer, like, oh, they just haven't understood their problem yet, I'm going to explain it to them, and then they'll be so glad I helped them get, but, like, that's particularly delusional, but I've totally had thinking like that. Yeah, life, me too. You know? uh, would that, would you consider that kind of like a, it's like codependent in a way, oh, right? Oh, definitely I mean, because one of the big markers of codependency is it's all on me. Mm -hmm. it's all like to fix the situation right I yeah. need to understand things I need to stay calm and, and I think that's part of where we can get really addicted to self-help because it's actually just this unhelpful way to keep <laughs> the focus on on you, on you. Exactly. Yeah, it, is, um, it can be very selfish like it's all my responsibility and it's exhausting and it's like but I think if you do have some capabilities that in a dysfunctional situation early on are of some use in some form of harm reduction or minimization or damage control, mm. then you come to see yourself as being valuable in that and then think, oh, that is my job. Right. Um, and so then, it gives you a false sense of like, exactly. Um, I don't know what the word is. but Right, because there's a few times where you did say that one thing and the person felt better and they mm -hmm. were so grateful to you for it and what a high, you know, like. Like you want to feel needed. Exactly. And when you, when you feel like you're helping someone in that way where they need you and you're doing something for them, it gives you like a sense of control totally. or a, a good Absolutely. feeling. Absolutely. And just to come back really quickly, that other triangle, like the other one is really just ignore it. Just like kind of numb out. Like what? it's not really that big a deal. I have other friends. But it may actually be something that you're going to keep running up against. And what we actually need to do is not slip out to either of those three, but actually engage with the person. Which, yes, also sometimes we need to acknowledge when either we or the other person or both are not in a centered enough place to actually have an effective engagement. Um, so just to ask you about that, because for me also I've had times where with people, I feel like there's a lot of times where something will happen and it is better to just give it some space before yeah. diving back in yeah. just to let everyone kind of cool down or... Yeah. 
sometimes it's, you don't always need to like pick at everything. So I feel like there are times to let things go. But have you found a way of knowing like when to go mm. deeper and when to let something go? Oh, that is the serenity prayer. Um, yes. <laughs> um, I think one thing to do is um, to it like as a baseline builder is to diversify your community and that's part of what's really hard about codependency is that you get very insulated in who you go to mm. for your um, support needs um, and I think the path out of codependency for me has been it's rather than just sort of like trying to escape codependency it's moving into practices and a gut level sense of living in interdependence with the world uh -huh. um, and so it's a lot easier to recognize for example yes sometimes I'm like well I'm just going to give this some space but if I notice that I'm talking about that person a lot I'm taking you know as this sort of the lingo is like taking their inventory like analyzing them with other people mm -hmm. even if it's in a very sort of high-handed like oh yes I have control the narrative here kind of way maybe uh -huh. especially if it's that I know that I still need to come back and engage with that person and be vulnerable with them, um, at least to try. And I think also talking to other people and noticing, you know, and starting to sort out what do I actually want here? Okay, so that indicates there's work to be done if you feel like you're constantly going back to, in your head or with other people to that one person or that one incident. Yeah, and, and I, another cool concept is this idea of right-sizing relationships. That one's been really helpful to me because rather than before the paradigm was either like, I am all in on this person, mm -hmm. they're part of my core tribe, hallelujah, it might be hard sometimes, but this is it, um, they totally get me, I totally get them, or it's like, you're toxic to me, I have to be done with you. Right, it's like black or white kind yeah. of, yeah. yeah. And so can you say, can you talk a little bit about the in-between of that? Or right sizing as you yeah well it's like if I'm no longer thinking that there's only two stores I can shop at in the whole world <laughs> like, <laughs> it gets a lot easier when one store isn't carrying the thing that I kind of want that day you know like I don't have to like go attack the store manager as it were because <laughs> like why have you stopped carrying this thing that you used to carry or you're you know like that's sort of a fun analogy for me yeah um I think really just being like there are a lot of places in the world to meet my needs and letting go of some of my emotional perfectionism. Right. I actually, I remember having a conversation with you, I think like during one of our walks during the pandemic, yeah. when I think I was talking to you about a specific person in my life and just saying that they, that I always go to them like to get a certain like type of love or whatever. And I think you, you had said like, there's not just one type of love in the world. Like there are so many places you can get, love and you don't need to just continuously go to this one person to like fill that up or even in yourself you can find it yeah yeah no I, th I think that's that's true and I think I it can be very scary at first though like that's you know that's where I'm able to be now mm -hmm. when you know I look back on my when I was coming up like from a very early age I was fixated on finding a marriage partner uh -huh. and I think that's like 
you know, because my sense was this is how you get consistent love in your life is you find somebody to marry. Right. And I think that's such a common um, thought for so many people in our, you know, it's a pressure that everyone gets in, in our society, especially women, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, talking about marriage, I think, is really interesting, um, just a really interesting topic because, you know, as someone who's 32 and not married, (laughs) I feel, sometimes I feel that from society, but I also know that I'm my unique self. I'm really different from a lot of people that I know and a lot of people in our society, and I don't feel that pressure, like, I don't put that pressure on myself, but I do sometimes feel it around me but I also try I I have to actively work at not letting that get to me sometimes Mm -hmm. and like I know I've talked to you about it a little bit um but I just feel like it's a really it's just really shitty that that's what society puts on people especially young women that that's like has to be what your life is or there's something wrong with you or whatever whatever it is right and I think that goes with the individualist culture like, if we actually live in communities that take care of each other, mm-hmm. um, that is, that wouldn't be so necessary. Like, if it was like, oh, I have my community and we take care of each other together, it doesn't matter whether you have a life partner or not. Right. Um, or a kid. So... So do you, would you mind talking a little bit about why you think you felt that way, that pressure? Hmm. I think I, um, I think I really wanted to feel unconditional love Mm -hmm. and I thought that was the way to get it Um, because I didn't um, I didn't have um, emotional stability um, to the extent that I craved it um, in my existing relationships Mm -hmm. Um, and so I thought oh if I can if I can like if I can have a partner um like it would balance you out or something yeah or just like then I would be happy it's just like I think I think there is that yeah one one of my favorite stories is about Toni Morrison and her parents and that she um her first job was in as she tells it her first job was in she was 12 and she worked in the home of a white family and it wasn't great. Like, you know, they weren't, I don't think they were physically abusing her, but just, it wasn't great. They weren't respectful to her. Um, mm-hmm. And she didn't like it. And she came home and told her parents one day, I don't, um, I don't like working there. You know, they're not nice to me, especially the, the mother. And one of her parents said, well, you don't have to work if you don't want to. And the other one said, listen, that place, it's not your home. You go there, you make your money, this is your home. Mm-hmm. This is where you always come back to. And I think for whatever reason, um, I wasn't able to get the message in existing structures in my life 
that this could that this was my home that whatever happened out there in the world um, happens and sometimes it's yeah I mean it's out of your control too right but whatever happens this is your home and you always come back here Um, and I I don't know that I would have even been able to articulate it I just remember having like deeply obsessive crushes from the time of like five on Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's interesting though because like as someone who was in such a long term relationship I feel like that was what I was looking for as well especially in my my early and mid 20s and because of the way that it didn't work out I think that it was like the most important lesson that I've ever had really because it taught me self-reliance it taught me self-balance it taught me independence it taught me so many valuable things that I I think I couldn't have gotten from being in a relationship just because of the because of the codependency of that and maybe it was just that one but I have a feeling it would have been any relationship that I had been in yes I don't think you know obviously every relationship has their good parts and their problems but I think that it would have been a similar outcome no matter who it was so and I, I really try to put a lot of um importance on listening to my intuition and like following what's Mm -hmm. you know the signs that I'm given around me which is really that this is not the time for me to be in a partnership Mm -hmm. and like a romantic partnership because there's just so much learning that I have to do on my own and I think it's so valuable yeah it's uh when they when my kids were little I used to joke that like you know kids go through phases and every phase is just much more obvious with kids because you see them growing and mm-hmm. there's habits and physical things and exciting stuff and each phase has really great parts about it and really yuck parts about it you know like I can't even think of a specific example but so it, there's a lot of things where they're really cute well and even also, just growing like they're right. your bones hurt but you get bigger you know right, you know yeah. when you're little like your legs would hurt or whatever because you're growing yeah. but yeah yeah and I would joke that it was like it was like you lived on a desert island and it was beautiful and every once in a while there would but also hard sometimes every once in a while like a big shipping container would wash ashore with just one kind of food and you'd be like oh this <laughs> this month it's oreos like <laughs> oreos are are delicious and also if that's all you're eating for a month you get a little bit tired of them but you're also like and yet we will never have oreos again after this like it's right, gonna be something right. different like um, it's just it's just a question I think of holding that energy of of continuing on instead yes. of giving up on it because there have been times where I'm like oh I, I'm so over this like I want you know I wish I had that person to like help me clean out my basement when it flooded yeah. I didn't have to do it all alone but it's yeah. also so important for me right because I've relied on someone for so long because yes. I've had that and I didn't have those skills that I really think are important to go through life for me at least I know everyone has a really different experience yeah I, I have another um, mom friend and we've been talking about our own um, habits and and changing some of those habits and I was describing our way of relating to the world recently and realizing that for so long our practice was to we didn't want to 
have conflict, we didn't want to ask for anything. Mm -hmm. Our MO was to people please our way to getting what we wanted. Right. Which when you say it that way, you're like, that is insane. It sounds like manipulative, but I don't think it comes that way. No, it's it's like very well-intentioned because it's like if you're only allowed this much space, then you're going to make use of, of that to your best ability. And then, you know, someday you come along and you're like, wait, people live like that? Mm-hmm. Like that's an option? I think I'd like to try that. And mm-hmm. the fact is when you first start trying a different way to orient yourself, particularly in intimate relationships, it's a disaster. Just like a two-year-old learning to walk. Right. They're terrible at it. They fall down all the time. They're a mess. They cry. Like, and I, I really help have helped myself by realizing sometimes when I'm learning to set boundaries, when I'm learning, particularly in my, in my longest running most intimate, rela- intimate relationships, if I'm trying to do things in a different way, I'm going to be terrible at it for a while. And it's not only you, but I feel like the way people react to you is different too because they're yes. expecting like strawberry yeah. jam, but then you're giving them like, I don't know, like a burger instead yeah. or whatever. You know yeah, what I exactly. mean? It's like they're so surprised by yeah. the way that you are interacting with them that <laughs> yeah. it's like it kind of rebounds and then there's like a whole oh, other. Oh, yeah. No, th- this idea of like somebody said it recently um, – and a lot of my a lot of my catchphrases come from twelve step program, which has been very helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, is like when you stop people pleasing, people are not pleased. Yeah, like, it's true. Which is really confusing because sometimes, especially when we're just starting to set boundaries and try not to people please, because we're so terrible at it, we actually are acting like a straight up jerk because yeah, we have no yeah. idea how to do it in a regulated way. So people aren't wrong to be like, "Excuse me." Yeah, but it's also like. That's sort of where the right sizing is helpful because it really has, just like with relationships, like you could be with somebody who, if in some alternate universe you've been on a slightly different timeline, Mm -hmm. you would be perfect for each other, but you're just not Not in in the right space. And sometimes a friendship is like, you know, I'm ready to move forward and be a little more explicit in our relationship than you are. And that doesn't mean that I have to be like, you know, dump you, but it does mean that I'm not going to respond in the same way to to like lengthy texts or whatever right. our MO has been. And I think it's interesting, this idea of like your energy kind of attracts like, like attracts like. Yeah. So if you have a certain energy, the people around you carry somewhat similar energy a lot of the time because we go to people who we feel comfortable with and that's yeah. similar to us. Um, so when we begin to change that and then it's different to what they have. So it creates a different dynamic. Yeah, and that there's a cool idea where, like, you when you're looking for people to sort of mentor you, mm-hmm. whether explicitly oh, or Oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, I know. You're you look for it. mentors <laughs> who have the life you want, yes. not the life you have. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, not too far out from where you want to be. But I there's definitely days where I will literally, not as much lately because I'm feeling a little bit more confident and more capable in some of my practices, but I'll, there'll be a situation happening, and I'll think of some, like, some acquaintance that I'm like, that person is remarkably high functioning. Like, who knows whatever stuff they've got uh-huh. in their basement, blah, blah, blah. But I literally will be like, what would this person do? You know, or like if it's a person who's who I have like a tricky relationship with and they send me a message or an email or whatever that's like kind of tricky, I'll sort of like shake out their actual meaning mm-hmm. and then pretend that that actual message or request had come from this other person who's better regulated. Oh, and then like interesting. compose a response as if it were to, to that, that person. person, yeah, yeah. So that I'm not trying to do that classic thing of like, I'm going to try to manage my affect and presentation and wording 
in such a way that it will be perfect and help you calm down. And it's like, mm-mm. Well, I think it's really interesting that you say that because that's also feeds into the, like when you go, when you go one way, which is people pleasing your whole life. And then you go try to set boundaries and then you're over the top the other way, yeah, yeah. which is so, it's so, it's just developmentally kind of inappropriate, but it's yeah. not, it's not like our fault or whoever's fault. Yeah. It's just that we didn't necessarily get that as a kid. Oh, but when yeah. you're a kid, like, that's totally normal because that's what you would expect your parents to teach you when you're a kid. So you're, you'd be able to have those tools and skills when you're an adult. But if you never yeah. got them, then even just making the attempt to, to write that is such a courageous move, I think. Yeah. And that's why you've got to have other people who are agreeing with you. You have to have a support group. And I, as much as I find therapy super wonderful and helpful, you know, I really think that without a community of other people that you're not already intimately at least for me that other people you are not intimately involved with already mm-hmm. who are trying to do a similar kind of work but that you're not dependent on and who aren't dependent on you mm-hmm. it is so much easier because if all you're doing is like once or twice a week you know seeing your therapist yes maybe going to a meditation class and like reading some great books without a community of fellow practitioners it's it's so much harder to have it stick and right, I love to right. see therapeutic communities move more, more and more group. towards, just as that it's an option. Just like, you know, when you have a physical injury, sometimes you need surgery, which like some some kinds of therapy are similar to surgery. You're totally. really going deep yeah, in there. Yeah. You need recovery time. Yeah. You may need multiple surgeries. It is intense. And, but maybe sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes what you need is like some great physical therapy totally. and then transition it into a really good yoga class. And the physical therapy is just as important, exactly. you know, as the surgery in the long run. It's just a different way of exactly. interacting with yourself. Yeah, and I mean, like, a lot of my easier practices, no, a lot of my work now is getting in my body and staying in my body. And for people who might not know, like, how to do that or what that really means, can you give a little bit of a, an explanation for that or, like, what that is? <laughs> well, this group I've wanted to be, to get trained by forever, but I got rejected a few times and I haven't applied recently. Uh, generative somatics, uh, one of my good friends did their training some years ago, and I loved the first homework assignment they ever had, which was whenever you have to go pee, go pee. And that's like, the first thing. That was their homework assignment. <laughs> and I still think of that because, like, my whole life, I have always put off going pee. Well, you like, and Ray, Ray, too. Oh, my gosh, yes, my daughter, too. Like, I'm like, hey, boo, I think you can go pee. Nope, I don't have to go pee. Yeah. You know? And then, like, finally, 15 minutes, she's like, I have to go pee so bad. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I'm like, yeah, saw that one coming. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I, I'm happier now that I'm getting more familiar with living in my body um but yeah really simple stuff like i've been grinding my teeth like crazy for years Mm -hmm. and when i sleep and i was clenching my jaw a fair amount during the day without realizing it. i do it too yeah and coming to realize like there's so many little ways to find my way back into my body often you know i'll be standing there doing something and i'm like am i breathing you're like, I'll often just breathe from like sternum up. Totally. For I do so the much same of the thing. Day. Unless I'm consciously making an effort to have like correct breathing, it yeah. doesn't happen. 
I also highly recommend the um, generative somatics uh, centering practice that they do. It's just a basic like somatic centering practice where you go from your gravitational center, so mm-hmm. like that spot a couple inches below your belly button, which is your center of gravity when you're standing, um, and to then center in your physical length and feel that, you know, like to ha- which they take to be also sort of like a physical metaphor for your dignity. Uh-huh. Everyone else is like to, to own your full length and to be centered in it, your width, um, you know, look at where you are. This is similar too to the vagal nerve. Like yes, when you're like looking at the exits or exactly. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Behind you, yeah. And then also are you, you know, centering your width, which is also like interdependence, like mm-hmm. then, you know, connecting with others and then centering in your depth, which is like where you're coming from, like what you come from, where, and then also where you want to go. Okay. And then finally your purpose, which is so funny because the first time I did this, like it's like I'm going to start doing this every day, centering practice is a short one. When they got to the purpose question, which I didn't see coming or because I forgot about it, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What's my?" I was like, "It's like, what do you love? What do you care about?" I was like, "I love not being in trouble." Like that was my first thought, which like, is like a oh. not, which is like a yeah. Oh, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> don't like I love my kids. Like, is that better?" You know? Yeah. And now I now my purpose is to be able to understand to identify what I want or need. And be able to communicate it to other people and then be able to negotiate around my wants or needs with dignity with other people and then to encourage other people, including my kids and, you know, people that I'm both, anyone really, in doing that same work. I mean, I think that it's it's so interesting because I've known you for now for like maybe three or four years, I guess. And, you know, at first we, we didn't know each other that well, but after watching Ray for so long, like mm-hmm. we've spent so much time together and then during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I've seen you, I've just seen you show up for me in so many ways that I don't think a lot of other people would be able to do. And, and that has given me such hope because I, I don't think that I would necessarily show up for people in some of those mm-hmm. ways. And it just, it has mirrored for me, like how you can do that gracefully and I think that's so that's such an amazing quality that you have that you do because it's so rare to find that in people but I also don't think that that's something that comes that that people would mostly know how to do unless you've had experience or you've had relationships that have like fallen apart or which everyone has yeah but I don't know from from grad school you know we learn that most people most people, when they're done with a relationship, there's only two ways of ending it, which would be mm-hmm. one, sneaking out the back door quietly yeah. and kind of like parting ways and yeah. just never talking again, or a big explosive fight, yeah. which would be the other way. And I think, you know, I've had both of those go down with friends or with, with people just many times in my life. And I think a lot of people have. And just from you seeing that there is like a medium in there and there is another way of doing it that's healthier and even in grad school like my teacher would say there's a (laughs) this is funny because like Gwyneth Paltrow has reclaimed the term of conscious uncoupling but there's a conscious way to to not have someone be in your life in the way that they were before but to not just completely write them off or burn the bridge yeah man that that right sizing is really really tricky um when it's been so all or nothing Mm -hmm. um yeah 
Yeah. So just, I was curious about how you handle toxic people in your life or if you have friends who maybe started out one way and then kind of have changed or grown into a different a different type of person throughout their time in your life, like how you handle it. Yeah, so first I want to make a plug for what I have found an incredibly helpful book, uh, which is the Sarah Shulman book, Conflict is Not Abuse. Um, conflict is not abuse. Conflict Sarah is not abuse. Sarah Shulman. Yeah, Sarah Shulman. Um, and that... I was just remembering the other day that my grandfather used to say that he was a conductor and a um, composer and arranger and a um, musician in general and he used to say that the smallest musical unit is not the note but the phrase like if it's just a note it's not music it's the way the notes relate to each other that makes music oh that's interesting being non-musical right and (laughs) and my sort of like social correlation to that is that the smallest human unit is the relationship it is not the individual it is the relationship so the smallest unit within a community is the relationship so the relationship between you know one person and two other people or one person and another person that it's not the person, but rather the relationships that are the smallest units. We don't exist in a vacuum, basically. Right, yeah. yes. And so if I, if there is a relationship that I find um, pushes my buttons, mm-hmm. um, I will first, I will say, and I started doing this years ago in teaching, I would say, this kid is my, you know, if there's one kid that I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I'd see that kid <laughs> come in my classroom and I'm like, oh, and I, taught myself to say inside I didn't say it out loud but I would say hello spiritual teacher and I wanted to really I mean sometimes I'd say it jokingly sometimes not but I really truly do believe that there is there everything can be made useful now absolutely yeah I mean now some relationships if you just make yourself eat the whole thing it's the equivalent of eating eating like fully rotten food right 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 it can make you sick and I think this is where it's really tricky for those of us who tend towards disembodiment Mm -hmm. in in that codependent modality right we don't listen to our signals anymore or we only listen to them when they're screaming right um and so I think noticing okay well what can I learn here um and pausing is really helpful and then right sizing like some people I might have to stay in relationship some kind of relationship Mm -hmm. with someone who shares a building with me who really finds my presence intolerable no matter what I do like a sibling or a parent or just people that you you absolutely feel like you have to have in your life right for whatever reason Uh this you are keeping this relationship so what next um and then to whatever extent possible, trying to engage with that person to see, hey, how is this relationship working for you? But again, being able to notice when it's just too much and to say to that person, I do want this relationship, I want it to be different, the way this conversation is going right now, I know I'm not showing up in the way that I want to, I need some time for me, and then we can come back at X time. And I think those timestamp timeouts have been hugely helpful uh, with my kids, with my partner, with um, with family members. 
And it's not something where people would get offended and be like, no, I want to keep talking. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, it's- some people do. Especially if you've had a very codependent relationship for a uh-huh. long time. And, it's, and that person sees that staying in a fight and fighting it out to the end is a very strong example of love. They can get furious. Well, I just feel like the way that you phrased it is so, it's so eloquent because it's like taking responsibility that you're not in a place where you're, where you can continue. Yes. You're not putting it on them as like, you're triggering me and I don't want to talk anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's like a different way. Totally. And I, this, I'm doing a great version of right now. But when you're in the moment. (laughs) Totally. Because often for me, like I was just saying, I don't notice that I'm freaking out and I actually can't have this conversation until I'm already in red. I don't notice yellow, just like when I don't have to go pee. I don't notice that right, I have to go pee. Right. I don't notice because I'm like, I'm good. Oh, this is just a sign for me to double down on my skills. Mm-hmm. No, girl, you're about to hit empty. <laughs> this is a sign for you to pull off the road and yeah. stop driving and tell other people that's what you're doing. Um, right. But, yeah, it's um, this is years in. And knowing that, like, you are never actually alone, that even if things go completely sideways, um there's always going to be another place that you can get love. Not in that, because there's definitely a version of it's like, whatever, I can always, you know, to the left, to the left. Like, you know, like... Well, I think... But... I mean, I think it's really cool that you bring that up just to come full circle, because, like I was saying, for me, being independent or not being in a relationship with, like, a romantic partner right now has brought me that self-love, ironically, because I've had to have so much self-reliance. Yes. And it... So... You know, even if I have that fight with, like, someone who's really close to me, finding a place to come back to love can just be in my own body or in my own self because I know that I'm a safe place to myself. I know that, like, I'm comfortable when I'm even just me alone. Like, I know that I have a, a safe place to go. Yeah. So, and that to me is so valuable and it's so much more intrinsically valuable than having some other person be, like, my one safe place. Totally. One of my favorite stories about this is, um, that I know I've told you before, is a story that the Dalai Lama tells on himself, that he went to visit a monastery, and this monastery specialized in making cheese and fruitcake. And he kept, he, they took him, they, they were so honored to have him there, and they take him on a tour, and they keep offering him, he's like, and everywhere I went, they kept saying, try this fruitcake, try this fruitcake. And the whole time, I am wanting cheese. <laughs> and I like feel like there's some relationships where, like, you can get mad that like that the person keeps giving you fruitcake, but you start to realize like I could ask for cheese. Mm-hmm. Also, I am now forty-two years old. I know of many <laughs> excellent cheese shops. Like <laughs> I do not have to sit here fuming or overstaying my boundaries or my welcome, waiting for cheese to show up. You know. Well, I think that's such a it's it hits the nail on the head, right? Because it's like we're taught when we're little like to people please or to to be polite especially women where it's like don't ask for something unless it's offered to you or I'd rather kill you than ask right exactly or whatever it is but then as you grow and as you work on on this aspect you can realize that it's okay to express your needs or even have needs at all yes or have like opinions or feelings or any of those things yeah these are here's our list of of acceptable feelings and needs. Yeah. Feel free to select from the menu. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. And I yeah. think especially in our society, you know, those positive feelings are valued so much more, of course, than oh, the negative yes. feelings where, oh, yes. where 
I've been, that's what I've been working on is like seeing all feelings as just representation of a feeling. Like that's all it is. It's not good or bad. It just is. So then you can allow for that to be there. But it's, it goes so against what we're taught, which Mm -hmm. I think is really crazy actually. (laughs) Yeah. It's very animal, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I'm so happy that you were able to be here today and to come on the pod. Thank you so much. Oh, what a pleasure. And um, if anyone has any questions about codependency, um, is there a way that people could reach out to you or is there? Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, my best recommendation is I've actually never done Codependence Anonymous, um, but I've Oh, that's been, a thing? I've, yes, it is. Oh. Um, but I've been in Al-Anon for almost four years now, and um, that has been tremendously helpful. Now, in the age of Zoom, you can find a meeting anywhere in the world pretty much any time of day. And it's been a wonderful structure in which to build my practice of giving and receiving empathy in a way that is not codependent like to actually build practices and habits around that in a real-time way so okay so if you guys are looking for that extra help you could always check into um the would you call the 12 yeah yeah. there's new york city al-anon but at this point, because there's all these international you know, Zoom meetings. You can do it from, yeah. your, from your couch. Yep, exactly. <laughs> all right, guys. I'll be back to you next week with a fun new guest. Have a great rest of your, I guess, it's the beginning of the week. Have a great rest of your week. Bye. Mm-hmm.